if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. In any business, not just the uniform industry. The Uniformer. Insights and interviews into the people and companies that drive the markets for uniforms, image apparel, and public safety equipment. The Uniformer is a production of the North American Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors, the NAUMD. I'm sitting with Steve Robinson from Liberty Uniform. Steve is actually somebody that I've known, what, maybe 25 years plus now, Steve, right? It's only half of my working career. And so much of that career, if not all, you'll correct me, has been with Liberty Uniform, right? Vast majority, yes. What is it that, we'll get into what the products are and the markets and all that good stuff, but what is it that as the owner and executive of Liberty Uniform, do you do all year? What are, what's your job like, Steve? If, if, I, if I tell you, I might lose my job, so I have to be careful here. <laughs> uh, primarily, uh, our company uh, is split into various areas of uh, responsibility by uh, the owners. And I have one partner, Paul Fazone. Paul handles basically the inside operations of finance and the warehouse, things coming and going, the office, etc. Pretty much I handle everything else which would include sales, a lot of production, and new product development. I feel like I hear a lot of uh, uniform companies that split management that way. There's there's almost a front office aspect to it. So you're the face that the customers, you know, hear from as uh, they're a prospect, and then they come into your family of of customers, and then you work with them in a continue to work with them in that way. And it sounds like then Paul handles everything in the in the warehouse, in the back office. And has that been part of the magic, do you believe, that has allowed Liberty to, to go on and on? I, I would say definitely yes. We each have our own areas of expertise. My dad, my grandfather were in this industry. I kind of grew up in it, spent time in factories, and have always been involved on the side of the business that I'm currently doing, especially developing new products uh, I have a reasonable understanding of uh, production uh, on various products, uh, shirts, trousers, and outerwear, the machinery that's involved. If somebody were to ask me, you know, can you do this? Uh, within reason, I can answer them right on the spot. Yes, we can. No, we can't. And here's why. Uh, so that's been a big help to me. When I got started, my dad insisted that I learn it from the ground up, meaning uh, he wanted me to become a... Uh, uh, an expert on fabrics, and uh, being that the business at that time was in New York City, I had the luxury of going to each of the mills, uh, unfortunately many that don't exist today, but nevertheless learning all about um, uh, contents and weave and the production and how it's made and what the finishes are, learning about trimmings, uh, whether it was zippers and all of the different kinds of zippers and the left pull, the right pull, the sliders, the locking, and I could go on and on to uh, buttons and thread, uh, interlinings, etc. So that gave me a very good background of the product line. From there, I went to the factories and actually spent uh, quite a bit of time on the floor making markers, uh, laying up fabrics, cutting the fabric, and then actually moving the product around the floor. I'm not skilled enough to operate a single needle machine, but there's a lot of machines I'll call no-brainer machines. You put in the garment, you push a button, and the rest is automated. So, uh, yes, even I can handle that. From there, that led me really to get into uh, development of products and sales. So as a salesperson in my earlier years, it kind of gave me a leg up, 
that I gained a lot of confidence from the people I was talking to because they, they, they were comfortable knowing that I knew what I was talking about and not just kind of making it up on the spot. I was giving them detail as much as they were willing to listen to. Really interesting. It, 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 it brings up two questions for me, and they're pretty unrelated to each other. But um, one is, um, do you feel that your knowledge then, um, that dad was so smart to instill or insist that you experience, do you feel that that is a magic ingredient that many current uniform salespeople, and there are thousands out there if we count everyone at the Cintas and Aramark and um, giant you know, laundry world, um, do you feel that that's an important missing ingredient for a lot of uniform salespeople out there? I do. Uh, I've come across a lot of people, uh, for example, attending a bid situation where some of the conversation gets somewhat technical and they simply don't have the background. They were never trained properly by the companies that they work for to, forgive me, speak intelligently about the product or what needs to be done or to properly answer the questions. So yeah, my, my background has served me well. There's no question. Yeah, I really wish the industry, like we could come up with a way to train our salespeople to speak better or more intelligently as you phrase it, to the end user in that in that area. I, I will say that uh, having served on the board of the NAUMD for 14 years, there were many times that the concept of the NAUMD university came up. And I would love to see that reintroduced, but go a major step further. You know, again, I had the luxury of going to the mills and watching their production, you know, looking at the warp beams and uh, seeing how those are built and how the fabrics are woven on the various looms, uh, the, the dyeing, the finishing, etc. Too many salespeople are handed a catalog, a pat on the back, good luck, and bring back the orders. That's the speech. And uh, unfortunately, if you're going to be a professional, and I, I definitely want to consider sales as an honorable profession, that uh, better training needs to be put in place by the, uh, the companies they work for. And I was picking on the, the large laundries, and they have amazing training programs already in place. So that was no diss on them. But it is an ongoing issue, which actually does segue. So maybe my questions were related. The other question that came to mind based on what you were talking about your coming up within the industry is that how are you managing the current struggle in the United States with finding people that can manage that single needle production you're talking about or can manage a machine that requires more thought and uh, dexterity than just pushing that one button that's a great question i think a lot of it has to come down it comes down to the willingness and an ability on the part of the company they're working for to spend the money to invest in people mm -hmm. and train them properly and if they're not willing to make that investment, then they're wasting everybody's time and their own money of whatever they do throw at them. For example, uh, I would say that it takes not less than nine months to a year and probably longer than that to really have a solid foundation and understanding as uh, a salesperson, not simply for the methodology of the company that they're working for, not simply for the products that they're selling,
but also the way the industry works, the way the market works, to have them understand their competition, which is critical. Uh, it's very difficult to sell something if you don't know what you're up against. I'm paraphrasing, but there's an expression, keep your friends close and the, your enemies closer. You've got to know what you're up against. You've got to know what out is out there in the market. And if you're trying to push your product, you need to make comparisons between yours and somebody else's. What are your features? What are your benefits? Why is mine better? Yes, it's more expensive, but here's why. Here's what we can do for you. So knowing the industry, knowing your competition, and having that company make that investment and spend the time to train people property is paramount. It's, it's such a problem nowadays. And you and I both probably know companies, even pre-pandemic, that were you know, going uh, down quickly because simply for the reason that they could not find enough people to operate uh, machines or to fill the jobs that needed to be filled in a typical garment factory. Which is interesting also that you're talking about the product, knowing the competition, deciding, because uh, as you mentioned, that that has been your role as opposed to your partner, Paul's. Uh, and uh, Liberty Uniform has transitioned over the years. When I was young to this industry, Liberty meant exclusively security uniforms to me. But that's not the case anymore, is it? That is correct. I was working at the time in the early 80s for a company uh, out of St. Louis, Missouri, as a salesperson. And I was with them for 10 years. And in the middle of that 10-year run, they came to me and they said, you're doing very well, we're succeeding, the sales are growing, we'd like to come and meet with you uh, in New York and uh, put uh, a list of things together that you think that we should be taking a look at and working. So they flew in on TWA, may they rest in peace. <laughs> we met at LaGuardia Airport in one of their business rooms. And we sat down for a few hours and I took my list out of my coat pocket and I put it on the table and it was no, 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 right down the list, every one of them. I said, fine. I mean, you asked me to do this. I'm giving you my list of things to think about and markets to get into. I said, but there's one thing on that list that you really need to take a look at. Remember, this was in the mid 80s. I said, and that's security uniforms. There are companies manufacturing law enforcement uniforms, but nobody's specifically catering to that specific industry. And it's all price driven. Law enforcement, of course, as we know, is tax dollars, public money, and uh, they have budgets. And the old adage, use it or lose it. So whatever they spend this year, they'll make sure that they use up every penny and prove that they need even more next year. But it's a nonprofit uh, operation. Whereas in security uh, industries, it is the private sector, it is profit-driven, and they have to be very mindful of what they're spending. So therefore, I felt that to get into the security uniform business was a no-brainer. We could do it a little bit better than everybody else because we had the ability uh, to import it. Everybody else at that time was doing it domestically. Now, I don't want to be uh, called out on this because I am all for bringing things and making things here in the United States. Uh, I support that wholeheartedly. But over time, it was inevitable to me, I saw the handwriting on the wall, that the industry was slowly but surely disappearing. I could tell you that we had a factory for years in South Carolina. Uh, it was a very small factory, maybe 125 people. By the time we closed it up, I think we had seven people left. Nobody wanted the job 
and it wasn't money. They just didn't want to do it anymore. And it was, and we were in you know in South Carolina, in, in the heart of the uh, the textile uh, industry. So having said that, we started to import the product. We're able to slash the price, redesign the product a little bit to take out a lot of bells and whistles that were not necessary for security officers, and we could sell it at a great price and captured a lot of market share. Uh, in the very beginning of, let's call it seven or eight years. <laughs> Unfortunately, at the same time, spawned a lot of competition. Uh, so in those years, in the beginning, whereas it might have been uh, 80% or more of our business, today it's 10% or less. Uh, that much of our business today is in the law enforcement area. So single digits of security. And, and that's also due to a lot of consolidation. A lot of the large uh, companies that we were working with uh, were sold off and they had their suppliers. Uh, so there were a lot of mergers and uh, we just lost it, you know, for, through no fault of our own. I have heard that from other security uh, vendors to um, in the apparel world. It seems like G4S just got, you know, monstrous and... Allied Universal Securitas. Yeah, those are the big three. Um, so what's the largest percentage... Is there is there a niche that's over fifty percent of your business now then, or is it spread out evenly among you know a dozen different niches? Knowing that my competition might be listening, I have to be careful how I answer that. All right. I, I will say that uh, a large percentage is in in law enforcement. Uh, there are areas that we cater to uh, that might account for um, twenty five to thirty percent, but law enforcement certainly today being the largest. I'm thinking about that story that you told about um, showing that list of product ideas and them saying, no, 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 no. And I have um, an awareness and fill me in on how exactly this works, but you describe it as being narrow and deep uh, as your approach to, to inventory and to product selection and you know, being, as you were phrasing it, I believe earlier, I'm paraphrasing, you know, being really good at specific things so that you can differentiate from the competition. What's what's amazing to me these days, and I experience this as a consumer myself, of course, is I, I so expect now to go to a website and just be able to find anything, right? And Amazon, you know, has spoiled us for that. It's You just expect that I'm going to be able to go and of course I'll be able to find any style I want in any color, in any size. And, you know, so I am so impressed now and have been over the years that Liberty has been able to maintain a successful operation with this laser focused uh, exclusive set of products. Can you speak a little bit to that? I feel, and, and, and one more thought, and then I'll let you talk, sorry, <laughs> uh, is that I feel like a lot of leaders are afraid of that concept because they feel they're going to be either leaving something on the table, you know, or they're going to miss opportunities or, or they do have to be, you know, wide and, you know, that that's the only way that it's going to work. Right. Liberty Uniform uh, has made a decision to stay narrow and deep and focus on what we do best. Uh, having gone to uh, business school, uh, Stern School of Business at NYU, and uh, there's lots of philosophies in terms of what is the better way to go. Having had some real life experience, business experience, uh, I honestly feel at this stage of my career, certainly, that it is better to stay fo focused on what you do best. There are lots of companies that get off on tangents 
throw everything out there and kind of see what sticks on the wall philosophy. And I don't subscribe to that. One area of an example uh, just recently would be COVID and people wanted to know, can you start making masks and make gowns? And I said, no, it's not our core business. Uh, not only uh, would it take time to ramp up, I don't have a customer base necessarily for it. I've heard uh, horror stories of people bringing in masks and now yeah. not being able to sell them for even what they bought them for because they bought so many in. Uh, the first box that I bought back in February was a box of 50 at $38. And the last box I bought was the same box of 50 at $5. So that being a problem, I'm not in the mask business. I'm in the uniform business and, and we'll stay there. Again, competition uh, throws an awful lot out there. Liberty Uniform, uh, because we, we are narrow, uh, we're able to receive orders from our customers up until 3, 3.34 in the afternoon, ship them all that day without fail. But even at that late afternoon hour, uh, still manage to put braid on the pants, hem the bottoms and sew on their patches and get it out the door the same day. So that customer service, if you will, or that delivery response time uh, is critical to our success. Has the number of SKUs that you maintain held through the decades or has it uh, ebbed and flowed, you know, some or slowly creeping in in width because of customer um, demand? Yeah, there, there certainly are market changes. There is competition changes. And as a result, uh, there are, you know, a modest amount, not a lot, but a modest amount of uh, product that has been in the line that is no longer there. Uh, due to uh, colors, perhaps a different fabric that replaced it, any number of things. Polyester and rayon shirts is one example that was yeah. very, very big years ago. Uh, it's not inexpensive, and it is to some degree fallen out of favor, and much of it is either polycotton or polyester today. Uh, so that's one example. In terms of products themselves, uh, we have developed new products over the years. Uh, we, over the last, oh, perhaps five years, uh, we have uh, developed and strengthened our high-vis product line in outerwear, and we're continuing to do so, continuing to add new product there. Uh, and that's done extremely well for us, especially uh, in the rainwear areas, raincoats, uh, uh, rain jackets, things like job shirts that didn't exist eight, nine, ten years ago. Uh, Soft-shell jackets is one of the newest additions in the whole industry, not just Liberty Uniform. Again, fabrics and, and designs that just didn't exist so therefore, you know, for things that are what I will refer to as commodity items that everybody nationwide uses, those are the things that we tend to put in our product line. Uh, we try to avoid things that are um, uh, just nothing more than a trend or things that are just uh, in a local market and I can't uh, sell them nationwide uh, to the broad-based customer base. You know, you grew up in the industry. You started, you know, your own operations you've managed them. What would you say has changed then besides some fabrics over that time that has shaped you as a leader and business owner? I, I don't want to sound corny in my, uh, my gut re response to this, but we all know that everybody says the one thing that remains constant is change. And it is absolutely true. Yes, fabrics have changed. Uh, designs, not so much in terms of shirts and pants, although uh, expandable waistbands were introduced, but nothing much more serious than that. Competition has changed a lot. 
the dealer base has changed a lot uh, with the buyout and the absorption by uh, larger companies uh, that have purchased uh, multiple uh, changes, uh, chains or stores nationwide. Uh, you know, when I first got started, uh, you know, Horace Small and Fetchheimer were the, uh, the main, main providers and everybody else, let's call them a, a secondary supplier. Uh, there's been a lot of consolidation where Flying Cross was an independent company and was bought out by Fetchheimer years before it even became public. When I got started, you had a trouser manufacturer, you had a shirt manufacturer, and you had an outerwear manufacturer, and they never crossed paths. And over time, st people started to reach across that great divide, and everybody started to make everything. You had stores that became our competition. They became large enough that they went overseas and started making things themselves. You had stores that were sold and became a part of a larger operation, just the way we spoke a moment ago about security guard companies being sold and uh, absorbed into and consolidated uh, into the larger companies of uh, G4S and Securitas and Allied uh, Universal today. So consolidation, uh, competition, fabrics, to some degree designs, all of that, and I can't say anything stands out more than anything else, has changed the industry dramatically from when I first began. Perhaps the greatest change is I always had to wear a suit in the beginning and then it changed to a sport coat and then it changed to getting rid of the tie and then it changed to getting rid of the sport coat, et cetera, et cetera. Have there been changes? You bet. That is 100% true. On uh, our allied industry on the laundry side, it's still a suit and tie business, which uh, fascinates me. Everyone still shows up to work uh, at the front of the house, if you will, uh, in suits and ties. But I have noticed definitely in the direct sale uniform space, you go to most stores, you go to most manufacturing facilities, and it is a dress casual atmosphere, 100%. I, I don't see any salespeople, in, uh, at least in our industry, in, uh, in ties and jackets anymore. Do we need to be wearing uniforms ourselves? Are we not practicing what we preach? That is an excellent question. And uh, I will say that when you go to visit these uniform stores, more often than not, uh, the owner and the staff are very often wearing what they sell. So the answer to that is yes. Many of them will take a, um, a polo shirt, a knit shirt, and do nothing less than at least put their company name and logo on, on the left chest of the shirt. So in that sense, that is a uniform. It's identifying them. Uh, when you go into a fast food chain, you want to know that they work there and it, it gives a modest amount of authority, if you will. Uh, and they've always said that in a, in a crowded situation, in a chaotic crowded situation in public, the first thing the public will turn to is somebody in uniform. They might not know exactly what they do at first, but it's a person of uh, pres uh, presumed authority that they can help. Uh, I'll give you one little test here uh, in terms of identification. Can you name for me the one uniform in the world that is identifiable from the back as well as from the front that anybody who sees it will undeniably know what it is? I'll give you a few hints. It is not a government agency, so it's not the military. It is a private company. I want to say a transportation or a, a, a logistics company, like a UPS or a FedEx. Exactly what the answer is. It's United Parcel. Not because they've labeled it, 
they actually have their colors patented and nobody else can use them. So you can approach them from the back and you know exactly who they are. That is the power of a good uniform. That is a great example. Yes. We know UPS simply from uh, a fabrication and a color. That is uh, very true. Your statement in advertising today is what can Brown do for you? So that's, you know, they've held that design then, you know, that's uh, that design for a long time. You were mentioning that you're holding on to styles for, for quite a long time. And if design is not or is design part of the challenges moving forward? People are expecting more comfort, more protection, more everything, because we're getting it as consumers. So the 20-something law enforcement professional is going to assume that that garment is going to perform as well as their potentially their workout clothes that they came, you know, took off an hour ago from the gym. I can answer that several different ways because there really is no one direct answer. In terms of the design, we can attack that answer from the vantage point of brand identity if it comes from a private company. We could attack that in terms of safety if it's a public agency. We can attack that in terms of comfort if we're discussing the individual. So all of them combined are important in terms of the uniform and how it's designed, how it's created, what's the fabric, is it stretch, is it moisture management, uh, is it bloodborne pathogen resistant, and on and on and on. There's, and safety, reflective, uh, you know, ANSI uh, compliant. So there's so many things that have to be considered when you're putting somebody into a uniform. Uh, but I would say that is, is certainly a reasonable combination of identity, brand awareness, therefore, personal comfort and safety. If we had all this consolidation, the optimist in me, and I am a true optimist, I could not have been a lifelong entrepreneur, Steve, unless I was an optimist. The optimist in me says consolidation's fine because now we have room at the bottom for entrepreneurs to start up new companies and to get going as spin-offs and to serve areas that the largest of companies are not able to, willing to, or notice that they should. What advice would you have for someone who wanted to start a uniform company now in this environment? If Tesla is an example, anybody can do it within reason, obviously. That truly is a, a great success story going up against the giants of the world, not just the United States, and doing it remarkably successfully. I started uniform, Liberty Uniform in 1987 with $5,000 out of the basement of my house. Obviously, things developed and, and we grew from there, uh, taking on partners over time and uh, building factories, doing our work uh, both domestically and overseas for years doing a lot in Mexico of USA materials. If you have an idea, if you believe in yourself, and if the desire is within, there's no reason why anybody really can't accomplish something. But at the same time, I would say, have the knowledge, don't act on a whim, know what you're doing and do your research. Don't just fly by the seat of your pants because that's a, success, uh, a, re a recipe for failure. Uh, you've got to know what you're doing become a reasonable expert at it, 
as you get started. Understand your, your market, understand your competition, understand who your audience is, and know your product well. Do your research. I love that. That is optimistic. I love that you started it with not a lot of money. A lot of people answer that question. They say, well, you want to get started in the uniform industry, just bring a lot of money. <laughs> because, you know, to start a retail store, right, takes a, a whole lot of inventory. The concept that you really still can start in this industry with very little capital, um, I, I still believe is, is a true statement. Any other parting thoughts? I, I do have one, uh, one thought that uh, I thought about a moment ago and, and didn't have a moment to, uh, to mention it. The uniform industry is a rather unique industry in terms of keeping out foreign competition, not the manufacturing side, but the sales side, where a BMW can come to the United States and sell their product. But you don't see any foreign companies that I know of selling uniforms in the United States. I just, I don't see it anywhere. When it comes to Amazon, I think we have a little bit of an advantage because yes, maybe they can, uh, they can buy a product, but Amazon's not gonna hem it. Amazon's not gonna sew on your patch. Amazon's not gonna measure you. Amazon's not gonna, uh, you know, do all kinds of things, you know, put the stripe on the trouser. So again, the uniform dealer plays a vital role in the industry of having people walk into the store, be fitted, walk around, see what else is for sale, meet their buddies in there. You know, it's a little bit of a, uh, an opportunity just to catch up with friends, believe it or not. Uh, there's a lot of uniform stores that create an atmosphere of camaraderie. Some of them, there's one, there's one customer that we have, which just blows me away, that has a gun range and a barber shop in addition to a uniform store. Now, just think about that for a minute. I think it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And when you call them and you get the answering machine, it's an automated machine that says, if you want the uniform store, press one. If you want the gun range, press two. And if you want the barbershop, press three. For all other calls, press four or whatever. I mean, again, it's, it's a brilliant concept of creating an environment that's welcoming to your customers. People have shoe shiners in there. I've seen that before. People have had people giving massages. You know, you sit in a chair and you get a little massage while you're waiting for your pants to be hemmed. That is incredible. I have, of course, heard of the gun range in combo with, you know, buying textiles, but I, but I have not heard of the barbershop. That is very unique and a great idea. And people should think of the adjacent possible related to that. What other two, two services can a law enforcement professional or anyone, you might be in the scrub business. What else might a nurse or a medical practitioner be interested in doing while they're visiting your shop? Exactly. Think outside the box, get creative, have fun, have fun. If you don't enjoy it, by the way, that's probably the last major uh, component part. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it in any business, not just the uniform industry. Life's very short. Have a good time. Enjoy what you're doing. Find something that you be can become passionate about. Thank you so much for taking the time, Steve, to talk to, to me and us today. Really appreciate it. I've admired Liberty Uniform for quite a while, and it was good to hear uh, origin stories and where you're currently at and some of, of where you're headed. I remain optimistic. <laughs>